I'm Ed Gross, and you're listening to CloserWeekly.com's classic TV and film podcast, where we celebrate the golden age of television and movies, then and now. The hills are alive with the sound of reboots. Everywhere we turn, there's a movie or TV franchise being rebooted. Some offering up modern takes with new casts, others picking up with the originals left off and trying to move forward. One of the best so far, actually, is the Spectrum original production of Man About You, which reunites Paul Reiser and Helen Hunt as Paul and Jamie Buckman. The original series, which aired from 1992 to 1999, began with the duo as newlyweds and explored those early years of marriage. Flash forward 20 years and we're dropped back into their lives, with their daughter heading off to college and the two of them coping with empty nest syndrome while trying to reconnect with each other again, with, of course, lots of laughs thrown into the mix. To talk about this rebooted version of Man About You, we've turned to showrunner and executive producer Peter Tolan, who fills us in on how the new take came about and what it's been like to work creatively hand-in-hand with Paul and Helen. Just want to say, start things off, uh, I'm really amazed in a good way how nicely you brought things forward 20 years on the show. So congrats on that. Yeah, thank you. It worked out. It's worked out very well. We're very happy with the uh, end result. Yeah. When you're picking up a show 20 years after it went off, how tough is that, though? Because obviously people have changed, society's changed, television's changed. I mean, how tough is it to take a show from that ended in 99 and bring it forward to 2019? Well, you know, ultimately you have uh, one goal that overrides the other ones, which is that you are bringing back something that people love, that they know really well and are connected to. So that indi- that is a big indicator of what you're going to do in the future. You're really paying homage to the original series and giving the fans what they want and what they love about it. And in this case, they had a couple that they were following really closely and they felt invested with. So as long as we stuck with that couple and as long as we took them to a different place, we were going to do okay. And as long as, you know, we, we kept in mind the original series and the tone of it and all that, I think we were going to be okay. You know, I look at a show like Will and Grace that came back and it felt like everybody was exactly the same, uh, which I think is a danger yeah. because the show goes off the air at a certain point. It's because people have, you know, the ratings have dropped, people have gotten tired of what the characters have sort of locked in a place too much. These guys, it feels like there was a real concentrated effort to progress them to move them forward over the years so that when we tune back in, it wasn't just like, oh, it's Will and Grace again. It's the same characters where we left them. Yeah, these are, you know, look, they're obviously older people. And just like, um, you know, we sort of needed to set, to pick them up. You know, usually people say, oh, why, why do we want to see this story now? Why, why are we hearing it now? What's, what's different right now? Yeah. And for us, what was different was the fact that they'd had this daughter and that she was going away and that they were going to have to deal with an empty nest and they were going to have to undo undo 18 years of behavior when they funneled so much attention and care and love to this third person that maybe they didn't funnel so much to each other. So there was some stuff to fix. You know, there was some stuff that reconnecting wasn't necessarily going to be easy. So we thought there's an interesting way to come in. And then, you know, given the fact that it's those, you know, almost 20 years later, they're older people. Right. And so we said, let's deal with things that those characters would be dealing with right now. And those are health issues, the hearing, you know, everything that older people deal with. So, you know, we had a light hand on that. It wasn't, we weren't hammering it, but I think that was, gave us something else to do. And we also would, and when we were pitching shows every now and then Helen would say, you know, she's in, okay, that, it mad about you 2.0. Yeah. 
Like that's a show we could not have done in the original series. It could only happen in this version. And when we hit on those, we knew we were sort of in the right place. Yeah. So how would you say Paul and Jamie have changed since the last time we saw them? Look, I think ultimately they can't change incredibly. Again, that goes right back to giving the audience what they want and what they expect. I think originally when we were talking about this, we were going to have them split up and cooler heads prevailed. And I said, I think if we start there, we're going to lose a lot of people because uh, that's not what people want to see. So they're not going to change that much. They're just going to change in these ways that I mentioned, that they maybe neglected each other. They, it's not quite drifting apart because nobody wants to watch that, but there is, there are some issues, you know, there's the issue of knowing each other that much better, but the issue of trying to repair their marriage after these years of neglect. So they're technically the same people. They just can't hear, you know, if anytime they're talking and the other person isn't looking right at them, it's an issue. There's an issue. Right. No, absolutely. What I noticed in the in the in the episodes, the six episodes that have come out so far, is it's very interesting. The interplay between the two of them is as strong as it ever was. That that back and forth, and that's great. But there is also this subtle distance between them. It feels like the closeness, the warmth, isn't necessarily there. And that's not a criticism. That's a natural progression of life. I think. Yeah. Yeah. I think so. Because you end the six episodes, too, with Paul, of course, saying the, oh, the empty nest thing is no problem. And then Jamie, of course, saying, oh, things are going to get bumpy. What, who are you talking to? What are you talking about? So, I mean, <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> and I thought that was very clever, saying, like, if you think everything's just going to be copacetic, uh, it's not. Um, but is it, 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 I mean, you said you initially some thoughts that they should be split up, that sort of thing. Are you going back down that road again, like where they're going to have to go apart and come back together again? Or hopefully just work out? No. To- Okay, no, good. no. I mean, you know, in the original series finale, yes, they're, they they are split up or there's something has happened and they come back together at the very end. And we're ignoring that a little bit. We're also saying maybe that's going to happen in the future, which is not a positive thing to say that, oh, yes, they've worked this out, but they're going to break up in the future. Right. So in, in effect, we are ignoring elements of the original um, of the original finale. Because as Paul says many times, that finale was written in a time when the idea of a reboot was insane. Right. So you could just leave it all on the table and not worry about the future. So we, we decided not to really worry about it as much. Yeah. When you're going forward, though, with, again, putting the show in, has television changed enough? I know you're doing streaming. I mean, for instance, when Paul gives her that chess clock and she actually says the phrase, I don't give a shit. It knocked me back. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, I don't know why. Oh, yeah. I mean, definitely people don't expect to hear the Buckman swearing. And I will say we have been very judicious. Uh, you know, it's something we can do on streaming. Mm-hmm. But again, this goes right back to that same thing. Give the audience what they remember. Don't change it up too much. So while I, I always laugh when, when Jamie punches that clock and says, I don't give a shit. I right. mean, it's just it is unexpected. But boy, it really works in that moment. And I think another reason it works is that we really didn't go to that well very often. Right. No, and it is. I mean, it's like very shocking in a good way. I mean, it just, it shows a maturity. I think that's what I like about it. It shows a maturity, you know, that that network TV may not have had, (laughs) even the swearing part of it. Yeah. Is streaming, is doing it for streaming, does that change things at all? Or is it just, nah, we're just doing the show the way we would do the show? Well, uh, I I would say that... uh, because of the binge factor of it, many times 
we can shorthand information because the assumption is the audience doesn't need to be reminded of what happened in the previous episode. If we're doing an episode that refers to it, they don't need to be hit over the head with the details because our assumption is they just watched it like two minutes before and they clicked right over to the next episode. Right. You know, in many ways, and I didn't do it too often, but there were times when I said this has to happen in the final scene of this episode because it will propel people in a binge, you know, situation to watch the next episode right away to find out what happens. Yeah. But other than that, it's it's just like a television show. Right. I mean, we don't really care. I mean, of course, concern on our side about people actually seeing it, since you you would have to have Charter or Spectrum to watch this. Um, so that's the only real concern. And that is a concern because, I mean, if I didn't have the screeners that they sent me, I would not have been able to watch this show because I don't have Spectrum and can't get yeah, Spectrum. Yeah, I know. So that's yeah, kind of- yeah, we're not we're not thrilled. Believe me. Is there any chance they're going to spread it out to other distributors or something, or are they just going to keep it strictly spectrum? Um, I know that Sony, which is the producing company, yeah. has been uh, looking at finding a second window so it would end up on a Hulu or something great. like that so people would eventually be able to watch it. That's the hope. Yeah, that would be great. Seriously, big difference. You know, people coming into this, many of them, most I would think, are familiar or have, were fans of the original and, and, and coming back. And I'm just curious, like when I got, when the original debuted, I had been only been married a couple of years. So it really had been a <laughs> a touchstone for my wife and myself. I'm going back to the original now. What do you feel the power was of that show? Why it connected with people the way that it did? Well, there's a lot of reasons. I think one of the biggest ones um, is that it was a, I mean, look, the, the original show could get silly uh, just like anything else. But at the heart of it, it was really an attempt to show a real relationship, a real marriage, a real romance on television. And I think that's rare. I think it's sort of an, it's a adult comedy in that way. And, um, and I do think it's rare. And I think people, that's why people hooked into those two characters so, so much in effect, you know, I think, and I've said it a couple of times, but not, I think just probably around here that, Catastrophe is like the bastard stepchild of Mad About You. It's the modern equivalent of it because that's really looking at a marriage and uh, warts and all where the main thing you take away from watching Catastrophe is their relationship, those two characters and their relationship. And I think the same thing happened on Mad About You. The, The number one thing people hooked into was those two characters. I don't think they had the same concern about the, the ancillary characters, the extended family and everything like that. They really hooked into the two of them. The longer a show goes on, is this a problem with any TV show? And you start to need, like, we need more stories. We've got to start expanding the scope. Is there a danger of losing or stepping further away from sort of the heart of the show? You know what I mean? Like, like it, you do so well, many episodes. This is a, yeah, I think there's, there is that danger, but in this situation, it's not, you know, I'm, I'm the executive producer, but so are Paul and Helen, and we've, we've been working on this closely together from the very beginning. It's not like I met them one time and then went off and wrote a bunch of episodes. They've been, <laughs> right. they've been with, with me in the room. So there's really no chance of this sort of turning into something else or straying from its mission statement, you know? And that's a big difference, I assume, from the original, where they weren't as... I mean, Paul, I guess, was co-creator of the show, no. right? So, no. Yeah, well, he co-created the show, but he certainly wasn't in the room every day. Okay. He wasn't there when they were breaking stories. They sort of got in... They got 
um, information. They got scripts down the pike. And, and as, as I, I think they got a number of things late, so they didn't have a lot of time uh, to respond to it, mostly because they were doing 24, 26, yeah. and that's hard. That's, that's just really hard, so you can't sort of keep up. But they were not as intimately involved in the creation of the thing as they were this time. Around. Right. And what do they bring each of them individually? What do they bring to the table? Uh, as, you know, because of the fact this is a new role for them in a sense, what are they bringing in the writer's room? Well, here's the first thing that I think you'll find interesting of what they don't bring, which is any memory of the original series. <laughs> really? They can't remember the original actually, series? <laughs> they actually cannot remember almost anything about the original series. So we have one of our writers who knows the series very well and we'll say, Oh, did you ever do a story like this? And they'll go, no, I don't think so. And then this writer will go actually season four, episode three. Yes. You did the same thing. <laughs> wow. <laughs> it's, happened, it's happened too many times to right. be, you know, they just, they just have no memory. And I think that's really because it's so hard doing a television series. You just go into the next week to the next week. You don't think about what you've already done, put it out of your mind. So they don't bring any of that, believe me. But but look, I mean, they what people respond to is their relationship, how they speak to each other, their timing. They and that informs the writing as well. Many times they'll say to us, "Oh, don't say that. We don't need those words. We've been married for this long, or we've you know, it's a double thing. We've been doing this for so long, and the characters have been married. We can act that. I can say that with a look." I can I can shrug and he'll know exactly what I mean. So they short they have that shorthand, which mm -hmm. is really helpful. Oh yeah. Do they also did they? I mean, when you guys sat down to first do this, did they bring specific thoughts in mind of like where Jamie should go, where Paul should go? I mean, did they have those specific things, or did it all come out of the conversation, the mutual conversation? It all it, it all came out of conversation. I started by saying, I mean, we. Um, came up with sort of a very loose structure for what a pilot would be and a loose structure for what the series would look like. But they were very loose on the pitch. And then once we moved forward, then I came, I sort of came up with a three act structure for the 12 episodes that, you know, three acts of four. And there were turning points at the end of each of the four episodes that would take you into the next act. And, you know, we said, Oh, you know, definitely Jamie should, you know, how does, how's Jamie going to, you know, if, if we're starting with the child leaving, how do they each react? Well, maybe Jamie decides I'm going to go back to things I never finished and I'm going to get a job and focus on myself. Whereas Paul thinks it's time to focus on them. So there's some conflict there. So we see more of Jamie taking a different path or trying different things and, you know, whatever. And it actually comes to be, gets into the, the second act. And by the eighth episode, all the resentments that have built up spill over and they actually have a terrible fight. And they end up back with their therapist at the start of the third act, Sheila Kleinman. And they go about trying to figure out how to reconnect. And they try a couple of different things and they reconnect. And that leads us into the final uh, moments of the 12 series. It actually turned out to be a wonderful circular little story in 12 episodes that works really well. But is that 12 episodes with an exclamation point or is it still a, you know, a dot, an ellipsis, you know, dot, 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 like till next season, till the next batch of episodes? Well, maybe there'll be a, maybe there'll be a next season. But is there, it, when you guys you went know. into this, was it very much like 12 episodes and we're done kind of thing for the most part? I think, I think that was the idea. Okay. You know, I think that was the idea. 
I, we weren't thinking beyond that. That's interesting, though, because you, you know how TV is. Everyone's thinking like, oh, what's the arc for season three or five? <laughs> you know what I mean? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Well, we, we weren't. I mean, we, we, uh, the way this was put to us, it was uh, not a series. It was a special event. So we treated it as a special event, as a movie, you know, like a, whatever. How many hours is that? Like a 16-hour movie or whatever it is. That's a uh, long movie, hours. but okay. <laughs> right. That's what we did. Yeah. So we treated it like that. So we didn't think beyond anything else. That's very interesting, though, because, you know, again, when you get re- – especially when you get reintroduced to something, I think, as an audience, you sit there saying, well, it's starting up again and here we go. Like Will and Grace went three seasons. The yeah. Connors is now in its third thing, you know, b- between Roseanne and the Connors. So you think it's just – so it's very interesting that you're sort of not overthinking it kind of. Just saying we're just doing these 12 episodes. So. Um. Yeah, I also like call. Do you like callbacks to the original? I mean, the thing that one of the things for some reason I found so <laughs> warmed my heart was when she mentioned the mouse skeleton, and they said Murray's mouse. Yeah, I know that was yeah, wonderful. You know, believe it or not, we, we sort of had to push a little bit to to get that. I mean, there was uh, Paul. I mean, Paul and Helen are not always on the same page. Most of the time, they are, but they're not always on the same page of how we should approach certain things. And I felt. That a little nostalgia was not a bad thing. That we should tip our hat a little bit to the original series. So things like the mouse skeleton would make their way in, and there was always like, "Are we really going to do that? Are we really going to really? do that?" And then once we once we finally did it, the response was so so instant um, that we said, "Well, of course we should do that when we have the opportunity." Now we don't do it a lot, right? Because these stories don't really, you know, they. They don't really tread the same ground, so the chance doesn't come up. But when it does, we take advantage of it. And it worked. I mean, like I said, next to Murray standing on the table and Paul saying, this is new, uh, next to that, yeah, the mouse yeah. thing was my favorite sort of ongoing joke. You know what I mean? Running joke was the mouse Yeah, thing. yeah. That was really yeah. cool. That was nice. Yeah. You know, the show also, you know, there was all these rumors that, oh, Man About You is coming back. Man About You is coming back. And it was like, eh, we have some ideas. And all of a sudden, Man About You is back. What was that transition from saying like there were just a couple of, it seemed like a couple of rumors, then all of a sudden it's full on and we're, you're doing it? It was sort of a, um, a tortured process uh, in reality. Um, yeah. I know that for many years people would come up to Paul or they'd go up to Helen and go, oh, we love that about you. There are all these reboots. You guys should do that. And maybe Paul would, you know, contact Helen and take her temperature and whatever, and it didn't seem right. But I think it finally got to that point. And then I met them and we decided to do it together and we took it out and it didn't sell. And a lot of that was timing, um, where we were trying to sell it. Uh, people were sort of, I think, weary from reboots. Some of them were not as good as others. Right. And it took a long, it took much longer than we thought to sell. But once it sold, it moved very quickly. It was very, very quick, especially the production of it was very, very quick. Um, it's been the fastest production schedule I've ever worked on. Uh, which we are finishing in four days, so it's uh, we're almost there. Um, but it was yeah, it moved fast once it moved, but it was talked about for a long time. Yeah, absolutely. As the creative force here, or a creative force here that was so involved in guiding the original show and now guiding this one, what is your feeling about stepping back into this twenty years later for yourself personally as a creator? And well, the show I, I did not, I, I did not work on the original series at all. I thought you did. I'm sorry, my mistake. Yeah. No, I didn't. But I know um, I know Danny Jacobson, who worked with Paul to create it. And I think, you know, look, the reality is I really have only one option here. 
and that is to be the guy who ruined Mad About You. <laughs> so I, it absolutely makes no sense for me to do it, and yet I, I've always liked Paul and Helen, and I was like, yeah, you know, I don't, I didn't watch the original series that much, let alone work on it. I didn't watch it that much, but I, I had a fond memory of it, and thought I, and thought maybe I could bring something to it that wouldn't screw it up too badly. All right, and and you didn't, uh, for the record. But then coming Good. into it, what did you think you could bring to it then? What was your sensibility that you wanted to instill on this pre-existing show that was taking on a new incarnation? I think just, you know, uh, it, there's a little bit of a luxury, as I said, in the original series, they're doing 24 year, whatever number they were doing. I knew I was only going to do 12. And so I felt like I could make a movie. I felt like I could have a show that was very focused and didn't sort of fall all over the place style wise yeah. that it would have, a, I, I would try to keep a very narrow focus in terms of, of the story style and the playing style and all that, which I think we've done. Um, so I, it, it, it seemed manageable to me. Yeah. All right. Well, again, you know, not to kiss your butt too much here, but it seemed like you pulled it off. So congrats to you. Uh, oh, well, I'm glad you liked it. Yeah, I totally did. Good. You know, so for an audience, you know, we talked earlier about the fact that this is a very limited aspect, you know, term, way for people to get in, to watch this show. But for introducing this to people, in your mind, what is the power of this new version of Man About You? You know, what would be the appeal for an audience? Well, I do think the appeal, look, all of, all of half-hour television, and especially network television, and this started out in network, so we'll consider it network television. The appeal of network uh, uh, half hour is comfort. People watch sitcoms because stuff happens, and by the end of 22 minutes or whatever it is, everything goes back to the way it was. Nothing is permanent. The characters they love stay the same. Nothing horrible happens. So there's always stasis at that, and in that there's comfort. So I think the same thing exists. I think the same thing here exists. There's you can call it nostalgia. Um, but hopefully people who didn't watch the original series will be able to pick it up and say, oh, this is good. I never watched this, the original one, but this is good. But I think for a lot of people, it's a combination of, you know, comfort and nostalgia. Well, we're still mad about Mad About You, and we hope that you're mad about us. Please subscribe to this podcast, tell your friends about us, and give us a five-star review. Thanks very much for listening, and we'll see you next time.